Hang on, you've looked out the window from the sixth floor. Yeah. And you've seen three baboons. Baboons. Yeah, baboons. On dead set series, they even had shiny red bottoms. What were they doing? Running around the car park. Yeah. What would baboons yeah. be doing in the car park there? Well, at RPA? Mate, I dead set. I had a coffee about an hour ago, and I thought, what are they putting this coffee? I looked, and then even the nurses here are going, "My God." Fair dinkum. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to know the story behind that now. And welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul, and I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And today, we are talking about baboons. Yes. But first... The news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Well, you will get to hear about what happened in that opening clip. One male and two female baboons escaped from a research facility on the grounds of the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Australia. And once Twitter caught wind of it, that caused a flurry of tweets including the one from the New South Wales police force that said, This is not a mandrel. Earlier this afternoon, a troop of baboons escaped from a facility and were going bananas in Camperdown. Police and wildlife handlers now have the situation under control, so please let them do their job and don't be tempted to pry, mates. That's right, mates. (laughs) The baboons were at the facility because the male was going to have a vasectomy operation. And the female baboons were reportedly there just to keep him company and and keep him content and happy. They escaped from a transport vehicle, and within a few hours, the baboons were rounded up in a parking lot and returned back to the facility. But in that very brief amount of time, Twitter had a lot of fun with it. So I'm going to read you a few of the tweets. Okay. At Brocklesnitch says, Sorry if you aren't in Australia. Some baboons have escaped and we have collectively lost our minds. Don't try to help. At Blueside21 says, I for one welcome our baboon overlords. <laughs> <laughs> At TFS Web tweeted, Horrifying corollary of this baboon escape is the idea that cities contain drastically more baboons than previously thought. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite one was from At Packet of Chips. Left the garage door open before I went to work, got home and did a head count. I think I might be missing three out of my 17 baboons. Hard to say. Three of 17 baboons is my indie band There you go (laughs) Oh, Australia Uh, The Florida of the world Oh, I don't think that's fair (laughs) Uh, It's kind of accurate I don't know, man I think we might have to compare news stories (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's not do that (laughs) Yeah, see I think think you're probably right (laughs) (laughs) You know, when stuff happens in Colorado It's like, horrible Something terrible's happened And it makes the news A child has died or something like that But when it's in Florida It's always something insane (laughs) (laughs) At this point, if somebody said that there were baboons Running around Florida, I would not even be surprised (laughs) Of course there are (laughs) 
It's Florida, for God's sake. Uh, it's Florida. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just a reminder, go to varmints.com, or go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram and at Varmints Podcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for comments, questions, stories, suggestions. We are on Pinterest. We have a wonderful Varminion who puts that together for us, and she's wonderful. It's a really good page. And if you want some Varmints merchandise, run on over to Redbubble and put Varmints into the search engine, and you'll see our stuff. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere the podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. So do it. <laughs> Tell your buddies. They're at home. They don't have anything to do. They want a new podcast. Yep. You know, why not? What about animals? Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, let's learn about baboons. Let's do it. Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> Baboons, they are primates in the genus Papio. They are native to Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. There are five species of baboon. I did not know that. I thought there was maybe one, maybe two. No, no. There are five. The Madrius, the Guinea, the Olive, the Yellow, the Chakma baboon, and then there is also six subspecies of baboons. They are considered monkeys, and they are some of the world's largest monkeys. The smallest baboon is the Kinda baboon, which is a subspecies of the Yellow baboon. The males can grow up to 20 inches long or 50 centimeters in length and weigh around 31 pounds or 14 kilograms. So it's a pretty decent-sized animal. It's like a small dog. Yep. The largest is the Chakma baboon. That can grow to 47 inches or 127 centimeters in length and weigh almost 90 pounds or 40 kilograms. Wow, that's a big monkey. Baboons have very distinct facial features. They have long muzzles with nostrils at the end, close-set eyes, large, powerful jaws with very, very, very alarmingly large, sharp canine teeth, and very thick brown to grayish-brown fur. They exhibit sexual dimorphism in size, color, and tooth development, so it's really easy to tell which ones are the males and which ones are the females. Males are a lot bigger. In 2015, researchers found a baboon fossil that was about 2 million years old. So that's about how long they've been around. Male, female, and baby baboons are just called male, female, and baby baboons. A group of baboons is called a troop, which is a great collective noun, and I don't think we need to change it. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. And we get the English word baboon from an old French word, babouin, babouin, babouin. And that means grimace or muzzle. Ooh, yeah, that's appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, we're going to talk about baboon communication. Baboon communication. They communicate using a system of communication that includes vocalizations, facial expressions, posturing, and gesturing. 
And the vocalizations which they use to express emotions include grunts, lip-smacking, screams, and alarms calls. And the intensity of their emotion is, is uh, conveyed by repetition of the sounds in association with the other things. So if they're, like, screaming and smacking their lips, it's, like, one thing, whereas if it's combined with something else, it's something else. And, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty intense. So it's mostly body gestures and facial expressions. Um, and probably the most noticeable one that we would notice is the facial expression where they have an open mouth where they're threatening and they're baring all their canine teeth oh, and like yeah. the whole top of their gums. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. Oops, that's the sign of displeasure and it and but apparently in, before you see this you might see you might see them raise their eyebrows. <laughs> it's funny, they can raise their eyebrows. They might show the whites of their eyes a little bit and just kinda like, Oh really? before that <laughs> full on thing happens. Um and they'll slap the ground and stuff like that. Um, the response to f aggressive facial expressions and body gestures, other baboons usually is exhibit submissive gestures. So they do the fear face, which is um, it's pulling the mouth back in what looks like a big old smile. They're like, ha, please don't kill me. I'm fine. <laughs> please don't kill me. I'm not going to. I'm not taking your food. I'm not doing nothing. Just I'm here. <laughs> Infants actually have a communication. They do a little kind of crazy, loopy kind of walk, and then they wrestle and they do play face. And the, the play face is an open mouth gesture, and they try to bite one another and stuff. So, And they also, uh, they hug. Babu's hug. <laughs> and that's how they show affection to infants and juveniles. Cool. So they have and like, they also groom each other, and all the adults groom each other. The males less so, but we'll talk about that later. So yeah, grooming is an, a pretty intensive thing that they all do. So yeah, and that, so they have like a little, they have their own little language. Yes, that's really cool. It's pretty intricate too. Like yeah, it is. It really is. They're just you can't can't uh, just not look what they're doing. If you're somebody observing them, you got to pay attention every second. There's always something going on. So yep. Pretty, pretty amazing. Very cool. Neato stuff. Well, why did they have all big red butts? Well, we have to get to the bottom of this one, don't we? <laughs> Gonna try not to crack too many jokes. Yeah, you need to quit sitting on it and just get to the point. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk about baboon butts, and we're gonna. I'm going to talk a little bit about. He likes uh, the, baboon butts, and he cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you other baboons can't deny. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make mention of. I'm gonna make mention of uh, the fact that big baboons like to make little baboons, and I'm not gonna even get remotely graphic about it. So don't worry, but it is coming up. Baboons have a physical feature called. Ischial callosities. Well, that's a nice big long word. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> nice long medical word for butt cheeks. Butt cheeks. <laughs> very very large bald rough spots on their buttocks. Yes. <laughs> and because they are somewhat prominent and they're completely bald on a furry brown monkey, they look to us like they would be painful. 
And yeah. in fact, someone on Quora, which is a website where you can go and ask questions and, and get people to answer you, somebody asked, do baboons have hemorrhoids? <laughs> but no. baboons sit around on rocks, they, they sit on hot sand, they sit on branches, and it's just the opposite. These are actually big calluses, like the kind you would get on your hands or feet. There are no, are no nerve endings in them. They can't feel anything through these. So the main function of these giant calluses is actually comfort. Baboons oh. walk around with big cushions permanently attached to their butts. Well, I mean, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I do. <laughs> when you look at a troop of baboons, though, sometimes you'll see one or two or three of them with a big swollen red butt. Yep. And that only happens on female baboons. And it's a sign that they are ovulating or ready to make little baboons. That swelling doesn't have any function or benefit other than to tell male baboons, hey, let's make some little baboons. It's not connected to their, their lady parts. It's just a, uh, a big sign, a big, old, a big old red sign that says, time to make some baby baboons. Yep. Now, here's something interesting. It was once believed that the bigger and redder a female baboon's butt the more attractive they would be to males. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, researchers watched a troop of baboons and they used digital calipers on zoom lenses to estimate the size of the butt swellings. Right. The biggest butt belonged to a female called Val, and her rump swelled by six and a half inches as she approached ovulation. My goodness, that sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Poor girl. The smallest butt belonged to a female called Lollipop, and her bottom only increased by four inches. Mm -hmm. The researchers combined these measurements with long-term data on each female's offspring. They also took into account the female's age and their rank in the troop, and they found out that the females with bigger backsides do not necessarily make better mothers. And here's what's really interesting. They also recorded male courtship behavior, and they found that the big-bottomed females were no more likely to attract mates than small-bottomed females. Ah, yeah. Males preferred females that had cycled more times since their last pregnancy. So it's almost as if the male baboons are ignoring the size of the butt, and they're just counting the number of postpartum cycles, or they're somehow keeping track of that as a way to gauge their likelihood of making a baby. Ah, yeah, well, yeah. that makes sense. In at least the Hamadrius baboon species, when a new male takes over a troop, the female will develop these swellings automatically, which may be an adaptation that functions to prevent the new male from killing the offspring of the previous male, which can happen. Yeah. Yep, that's a very sad thing that happens in nature. Yep. So yeah, big old, big old red baboon butts. There you have it. That's sort of interesting. So it's just like... The redness of, and bigness of your of your butt swelling is is just all down to just variation. That's it. Yeah, no that's it. To it whatsoever. That's it. And the male uh, baboons are just kind of keeping track of, you know, how long it's been since that female baboon has had babies. Very nice. It's very really nice. cool. Very cool. The IUCN has labeled baboons of all species as of least concern, and even in the face of global climate change, which is a very real thing, they are particularly resilient. They're not too affected by climate change. 
But because baboons are very adaptive and very resourceful little creatures, they are they're all right. They're going to do okay. If you want to see baboons for yourself, there are AZA accredited zoos that have them. Currently, the San Diego Zoo, the Oakland Zoo, uh, both in California, the Riverbanks Zoo and Garden in South Carolina, and the North Carolina Zoo, just to name a few, all have exhibits with Hamadrius baboons. I, the, all the zoos I looked at that have baboons as an exhibit, they all have Hamadrius baboons, and I could not find why that particular species is such a popular zoo exhibit. Hmm. Couldn't find the reason, but they are not in any real conservation danger at all. So, yeah, if you want to go to your local zoo, check out if your local zoo has a baboon exhibit and go check them out because they're really cool. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we are going to talk about baboons and pop culture and a couple of other things, but not until I tell you a little bit about Patreon. Patreon.com slash varmints is where you can go to help the show out. You um, can help us pay for hosting and you can help us to make a little video series I'm doing on YouTube called Paul's Food Box, which is a lot of fun. And there are exclusives and there are rewards for every single level of support on Patreon. If you can support us, that would be amazing. And we do appreciate those of you who are currently supporting us. We really do appreciate it. Patreon.com slash varmints. Hey there everyone, Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Skunk Foo! Oh my gosh, Skunk Foo is amazing. It is a British-Irish animated children's television series featuring stories about anthropomorphic animals who are protecting their valley using martial arts. And it chronicles the adventures of a young skunk who trains with his Kung Fu master, a panda, of course, with the support of his friend Rabbit, Fox, Turtle, and others, who are directly or inadvertently helping to him to grow, like, on the inside, which is always fun. Sure. It won a an award for Best Animation from the group over there that's in charge of that, the IFTA. In addition to the English soundtrack, it is in Irish language, French language, Japanese language, and Dutch language uh, as well. So Good heavens. Yeah. Skunk and the other animals, led by Panda, thwart Dragon's efforts to take over their valley with baboon and ninja monkeys from their lair in the mountains. Historically, Dragon and Panda were friends, but since Dragon was punished by heaven for his arrogance, he perceives the valley residents as the reason for his downfall, displacing the responsibility of his own actions, and seeks to destroy them. That's very dramatic. I love it already. <laughs> Panda sees Skunk as a crucial uh, person for saving the valley and endeavors to teach him, who often tries to circumvent the laborious kung fu training only to learn the value of the initial lesson from the consequences of of shirking. (laughs) (laughs) And then he saves the day, usually by himself or with the help of his friends. So the, the protagonists, like I said, are Skunk, Panda, Rabbit, Fox, Dr. Turtle, Fox and Bird, um, tiger, pig. There are some killer bees that are actually in there, and they are uh, their protagonists. Ms. Duck, 
Crane, Mantis, Snake, Frog, Mr. Fish, and Blinky the Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The antagonists are Dragon, Ninja Monkeys, and Baboon. Baboon is the secondary villain of the series. He is also the head of Dragon's Ninja Monkey army and is the one that's usually dispatched to carry out most of Dragon's plots. I'm trying to pronounce Baboon both ways, both the British way and the American way. It's Baboon if you're an American. It's If you're British, it's Baboon. And I feel like that we should probably use both because... Yeah. I think we've both been kind of bouncing back and forth this whole yeah. time. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to be inclusive. <laughs> Baboon is very dominant over the ninja monkeys, and he often treats them very, very badly. And he has used some of the ninja monkeys as punching bags or guinea pigs. Oh, <laughs> oh, However, no. in spite of the fact that he mistreats them, he sometimes expresses concern for them, implying that he actually cares for their well-being. Although this, this doesn't happen very much, but... Um, he's mostly just kind of a like a lackey to Dragon, and he's really, really loyal, but he's also super afraid of him. And he is an easily angered and very intimidated figure who's in love with Fox, but she does not feel the same way. And I wouldn't either if he's so mean to his ninja monkeys. Yeah, right? And also, she's more than more than willing to use Baboon's crush against him. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's very funny. The guy that voices Baboon is called Paul McLoon. He is a an Irish musician, former radio producer, voice actor, and voiceover artist and radio presenter from Derry, Northern Ireland. He is probably best known um, for being a co-creator and co-writer of an Irish comedy sketch series called Grift Grub, which I've never heard of. And he's also the lead vocalist of North Irish pop punk new wave band called The Undertones. Interesting. Yes. Cool. So let's hear a little bit of Baboon and see what he has to say. Talking to Dragon here. Strike Panda with the Jinx's palm. No, I strike the skunk instead. You failed! <laughs> so why are you so cheerful? Because things are working out better than planned. My spies tell me that the stupid skunk is wandering around the valley, causing bad luck. This might work even better. <laughs> Prepare for an attack. Everyone else is avoiding me. That's good. my only friend. <laughs> stupid jinx bomb. It's all that rotten baboon's fault. Huh? <laughs> I love how Skunk has a bratty American boy accent. With the valley in complete chaos, we will crush all valley dwellers. Your mother eats moldy old bananas. How did you know? Who said that? Destroy him! What the... <laughs> so that episode awesome. he had the jinx's paw he had to put it on on to cause bad luck to people and it backfired of course 
And I watched the whole episode, and it was extremely satisfying. Beautiful animation. It's that flat animation, the kind that you find in Powerpuff Girls and Samurai Jack, stuff like that. Oh, I like that, yeah. Uh, but the color palette is very pastel, very muted, and uh, it's just beautiful. So it's not it's not just funny, and the music's amazing, but it's, it's, uh, it's also got just gorgeous art, so go check it out. You can see it on YouTube. I will do that. That's awesome. Do it. I'm also going to talk about an animated television series that ran from 2011 to 2019 on the Cartoon Network called The Amazing World of Gumball. Nice. The official little description of the show is, Welcome to Elmore. This quaint little suburb isn't quite what it seems. As in Elmore, just about everything has the ability to come to life. The Amazing Uh World of Gumball follows the misadventures of Gumball, a 12-year-old cat, with the help of his best friend Darwin, his former pet goldfish that grew legs and joined the family, he gets into all sorts of antics. He is joined by his sister Anais, a four-year-old bunny with heightened intelligence. His father Richard and his mother Nicole are there to provide him support as well. And there is a character on the show called Miss Lucy Simeon. And she is a middle school teacher. She is an antagonist who will do anything to ruin Gumball's plans To set up the clip, I'm about to play Miss Simeon Has Death Breath, and as she's walking around the school grounds, every time she yawns or exhales or says something, this green fog comes out, and either a bird dies or a machine malfunctions or or something just rots away, and Gumball is the one that has to break the news to her. We need to talk, Watterson. When asked what led to the defeat of the British at Saratoga, you wrote dental hygiene. When asked what was Abraham Lincoln most famous for, you wrote dental hygiene. And when asked which medical profession did the state of Connecticut become the first to license, you wrote dental hygiene. One out of three. That's the best you've ever scored. Well done, Watterson. Hooray! <laughs> All right, I need to say something. Okay, you know sometimes there are these things that seem really awkward, but they're not really, and it's like way better if someone just tells you, but it's a little touchy, so they try to put it in the most delicate way possible. Okay. Your breath smells so bad, your face should be wearing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> and how did she take it? Well, I didn't have to go to the hospital. The nurse said it would be more dangerous to surgically remove the pencil. Well, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me, so I'm not going to thank you at all. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) The show is created by Ben Bocalet. It is a very, very unique show. Now, your show is pastel and and pretty to look at and and really cool. This has a completely different animation style. There is puppetry, there's CGI stop motion there's flash animation there's some live action stuff it's just all over the place and it's a it's a lot of fun to watch it sounds all over the place it sounds like a dream i had (laughs) (laughs) it's really really cool as of the time of this recording you can see full episodes of the amazing world of gumball on the streaming service hulu full episodes Nice. And if you want to just watch clips of the show on YouTube, there the uh, Cartoon Network channel or the Amazing World of Gumball channel has little four or five minute clips that you can watch. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I cannot. I was really. Uh, I was unhappy not to find any good baboons. I think that's pretty telling. <laughs> that baboons can be pretty mean to each other. So I think it's. I think it's 
probably why we didn't find any good guy baboons. I mean, if you look at baboons, though, they have that long face and those high cheekbones, and it would be hard to portray one in animation as a protagonist. They're, they're just almost built to be antagonists. Yeah, they've got a pretty aggressive little lifestyle, so... Yeah. I mean, most baboon communities are, are pretty hardcore, so... Mummy, what's for dinner? It's the elbow of a snake. Mummy, I can't eat that. Well, would you eat that? No. No, I think monkeys and primates of any sort. Yeah, to me, not yeah, good. No. There are many, many cultures in Africa that eat baboons and other kinds of primates, um, but I would not... I would not be willing to try them. Right. And it's rare. I mean, when they are hunted, it's out of necessity. It's because all of your other, you know, herbivores that you normally hunt are not around and you're hungry. So you go out and get a baboon. All of your big cats are going to hunt and eat baboons. So lions, leopards, cheetahs, African wild dogs and hyenas will hunt and eat baboons. But only if, again, food is scarce. And. They're not a popular food source for these animals because baboons are big and they're aggressive and they have big teeth and they hang out together in large troops. So yep. y- you have to be really, really desperate to go after one of these guys. And it's generally like the younger baboons or an injured baboon yeah. is easy prey, right? A leopard will try more often than any other cat, um, but uh, that's pretty pretty very common but they're going to be they're going to have to be a kind of hungry and b pretty sure that they're going to get away with it right (laughs) right the baboon will come and kill a baby leopard very quickly so yeah uh birds of prey they'll eat young baboons and crocodiles and rock pythons don't really care they will try to take baboons at watering holes and they they just that's meat so yeah whatever's at the watering hole if they can get it they'll get it right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't specialize. They don't go, all right, let's make a plan. No. Nope. The plan is stay in the water and eat stuff that comes in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Crazy. Well, hello, Paul. Don, it's me, Billy Lee Campbell. Hey, Billy Lee Campbell. Hello. And I'm here hello. to ask you a question. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Well, let's help you win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. Back to you, Paul and Donna. Oh, Billy Ray Campbell. Billy Lee Campbell. Billy Lee Campbell. Isn't it Billy Lee? I don't know. Great guy. (laughs) Hey, baboons play a game called Chase. I didn't know if you knew this or not. Mm -mm. Baboons are pretty smart animals, and as some of your more intelligent animals, by our standards anyway, they do play games. And perhaps if you've seen documentaries about baboons, you've seen them just chasing each other around. Turns out that that running around isn't really random or disorganized. Baboon games have rules. They did a study on play behavior in baboons in the 1970s. A group of baboons was observed for 10 weeks and it was noticed that several repeating patterns of play behavior in a game that the researchers called Chase took place. In a game of Chase, the baboons would initiate play by making a very specific play face that you mentioned earlier, uh, in which the baboon would have kind of a relaxed open mouth. And that would tell the other baboons that, hey, I'm not aggressive, I just want to play. Mm -hmm. 
A game of chase would begin with a face-off, where the baboons would make the play face and then negotiate what kind of play took place. If a baboon tagged the front limbs of another baboon and took off running, that the game was on. Then the game of chase would begin. In chase, the two baboons would run in a repeating circular track. The length and shape of that track would be defined by the baboon being chased. Now, chase is a totally non-contact game. So the goal of the game, the object of the game, is for the baboon doing the chasing to overtake the baboon that initiated the game. Okay. The baboon that is being chased has a lot of power. So they determine when the round begins and ends. They'll usually look over their shoulder and make the play face while they're being chased. And in fact, if they don't do that, then the game ends because the, the baboon doing the chasing will interpret that as, okay, he's sick of it or he's going to be aggressive if I keep chasing him. So game over. Right. Okay. Once one baboon overtakes the other, the game ends. And if they want to play another round, they will make the play face and continue or they will just go on their merry way. Here's a really interesting thing. Larger, older, or faster baboons will slow down, increase the length of their path, or bounce off of obstacles to give smaller, younger, and slower baboons a chance to win. Aw, that's so sweet. Yeah, because I guess they get frustrated. Like, if they don't win, like, they'll just stop playing. Like, I mean, like, anybody. If the game is yeah. too frustrating, you're going to say, screw it, I'm not going to play anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but they will give their little, they will give their buddies a chance to win if they're disadvantaged somehow. So a lot of animals play, but in this instance, this is a game with very clear rules and very clear roles for the baboons involved. And I thought it was really interesting. That is really neat. The play face is really derpy too. It's just sort of a, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> their little mouths open like, uh. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I am going to talk to you about baboon behavior, um, the emergence of a peaceful culture in a baboon troop. This is incredibly interesting. You can see Robert Sapolsky talk about this in a video. I think I've talked about it on the show before where he does a lecture called, is, is, Are People More Than Just Chimps? Are We Just a Big Chimp? Or whatever. I can't remember the name of it, but... He talks about this study within that lecture for a little while. And so basically what it is is that um, behavioral stuff in most animals is a combination of genes and environment. It's, it's patterns that will continue with babies and grandbabies and go on, um, be passed forward due to natural selection, right? Like uh, a bird knows what kind of a nest to build right? Um, all that stuff is just in the hardware. Right. Um, but there's some stuff that gets passed on that's called learned behavior. Um, like, for instance, and, and that's what we consider to be animal culture, any sort of behavior that is passed on to the offspring by means of learning rather than, um, rather than just genetically on board. So, like a female, like a chimpanzee teaching her child how to pick ticks out of a tick mound with a stick right. that's a learned behavior that's not something they just have on board yeah yeah so most primate species use violence to resolve disputes um with the exception of bonobos which we'll talk about later most primate species will do that and then there'll be a violent outburst followed by con conciliatory acts and 
in the case of baboons, it's like grooming, stuff like that. In humans, it would be kissing or chimpanzees. We should not do that. We should not be violent or the rest of it because we are not, you know, we're, we're supposed to be better, but <laughs> we aren't. And, uh, and so that's, we're just as bad. Um, but primatologists call these behavioral differences cultural traits, like I was talking about, because they have, they're not always shared by a population, right? It's, you might not find the chimpanzees using tools in every group of chimpanzees. It's only the ones that have people that teach it or have chimps that teach it. So, um, so this is really interesting. In his book, A Primate's Memoir, Robert Sapolsky wrote about this troop of baboons they were studying because he wanted to explore the relationship between stress and disease. Male baboons behave really, really badly because they need to take or maintain dominance and they get into really violent fights with other males over all of that. Females are often harassed and attacked. Internecine feuds are absolutely routine. Um, and then, so they were studying this troop of... Um, baboons and then they happened to be near a lodge a tourist lodge that had a garbage dump outside and the real aggressive males were all going over to the garbage troop to grab food and it was only the aggressive males because they were the only ones that are confident enough to leave the safety of the troop and go elsewhere possibly into another baboon's territory to scavenge for food right so they were foraging in an open garbage pit right next to the tourist lodge, and then they all contracted bovine tuberculosis. Oh, my goodness. Um, tuberculosis goes through most primates like wildfire. So <laughs> I think he was talking about in the, in the talk that he, some, he picked some guy that wrote a novel in the 1800s or whatever, and he was like, they can't, like, just have it and write these wonderful poetic novels like whoever it was, you know? Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't just go and, like, die of it slowly over several months or whatever. It's, it's really, it's pretty fast. Basically, it was really sad and horrible, and they all died. And so many of them died that, that what happened was that the male-to-female ratio, or the female-to-male ratio was doubled. And by 1986, the troop behavior had undergone this crazy transformation and the males were significantly less aggressive. Crazy. Huh. Yeah. So after their deaths, uh, the ones that got the disease died, Sapolsky stopped observing these guys. And then when he came back, he was surprised that there, even though there were no adult males from the period that they had been studying them in, um, because... I mean, males migrate after puberty anyway, but the new males exhibited the less aggressive behavior of their pre predecessors. So around this time, Sapolsky and Cher, the other scientist that was doing the observation with him, they also began observing another troop so they could compare and contrast with the uh, behavior of the forest troop. And they said that in some ways, the male-to-male -male dominance behaviors and aggression were similar in both the troops, but there were differences that reduced the stress for the low-raking males by a lot, and that they were really well tolerated by the dominant males. Like, the males in the forest troop displayed more grooming behavior, and that's an that's really much less stressful activity than fighting, and it's something that males don't normally do, right? 
um, he showed a picture in the talk with like, these two males, like one male grooming another, and the other's like really super relaxed and 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 not even worrying about it. And that he was he was just emphasizing this does not happen. This picture you're seeing does not happen. Wow. <laughs> so. They analyzed the blood samples from the different troops, and they found that the forest troop males lacked the distinctive physiological markers of stress, such as elevated levels of stress hormones, and than in the control troop. And in light of the observations, they investigated a lot of behavioral models that might explain how they preserve this relatively peaceful lifestyle complete with underlying phys- physiological changes. And one model suggests that non-human primates acquire cultural traits through observation, right? So young chimpanzees might learn how to crack nuts with stones by watching their elders. And in this case, the young baboon transplanted males have learned that it, they might have learned that it pays to be nice by watching the interactions of the older males who were nicer to each other. How interesting. Wow. Yes. Yep. Uh, it could be that just being around that behavior increases the likelihood that the new males will adopt the behavior. Um, another explanation could be that males in troops with such a high proportion of females become less aggressive because they don't need to fight as much for female attention. And perhaps they're rewarded for good behavior. But would, and it could be both, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be that the females had a more direct impact, that new male transfers to the troop were better received by the resident females than the males from other troops. Whatever it was, um, they've concluded that a method of transmission is either likely one of a combination of these models, uh, but they're going to have to, of course, have future study. And I know, I know people that, Aren't in the sciences always go, oh, they have to have future study. Of course. Well, because that's how science works. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's an Irish comedian called Dara O'Brien who says, no, science doesn't know everything. If it did, it would stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, incredibly interesting. And like I said, he talks about this study in the in the lecture that I talked about and I just thought that was incredible. Just really amazing. That is really cool. Wow. Be nice. You never know what little baboon is watching. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, again for listening to our show. This show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the wonderful and talented Imran Jabed. Our vocal talent today was Carrie McGinnis, Chris Green, and Justine and Santiago. Hey, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Who do we have today? We have Isaac. Isaac has something to say about baboons. He has a lot to say about baboons. Excellent. I'm ready to listen. Okay. What do you want to tell me about baboons? So they can do your homework for you. They can? <laughs> yeah. Can they hold a pencil? Uh, I bet they could hold a math book. You think they could hold a math book? Yeah. Are they good at math? I bet they could do any kind of schoolwork, actually. Oh, yeah? Isaac, if you were friends with a baboon, what would you and your baboon friend do together? I would make it do my schoolwork so that I could play my Super Mario Maker 2 game all day. <laughs> without having to do do my schoolwork until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. What kind of schoolwork do you think the baboon could do for you? Maybe 
Do you think that the baboon would play games with you? Uh, I bet. I bet if it knew how. What kind of games do you think a baboon could play? Maybe Super Mario Maker 2. <laughs> you think a baboon could make its own Mario course? Yeah. What kind of course would it make? I don't know. I've never seen a baboon make a course like... I've never seen a baboon make a course in Super Mario Maker 2 or Super Mario Maker 1. I've never played that before. Do you think that uh, if you played video games against a baboon, do you think that you would win or would the baboon win? I bet the baboon might just mess it up. Like, <laughs> I bet the baboon might do the most best attack by accident and then, and then I would dodge it and then I would do the best attack. And he wouldn't care, so he would just die. So that's why I think I would win. <laughs> that's okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. What other kind of stuff would you like to do with a fire baboon? I would like to. Actually, that's a good question. <laughs> I would like to make it steal gold for me. What? Wow. Yeah, because then we would have a lot of money, and then we could buy whatever we want. How would a baboon steal gold for you? <laughs> I don't know. It would just go to a person that's rich and just start stealing when they're not looking. Oh, so it's like it's like a Robin Hood sort of baboon. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. It sounds like you and your baboon friend are going to have a great time. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> okay. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> So, Unfortunately, Isaac, I think that the baboon would probably throw the math book at you. Yeah. Or possibly eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's recap. <laughs> Isaac wants a baboon so that it'll do his math homework, um, so that it'll play video games with him, although Isaac will probably win because baboons are just button mashers and they don't know how to play games. Yeah. And steal gold. Yeah. Eh, hey, if the baboon actually did that, I might get a baboon too. I'm I'm kind of thinking the baboon's gonna destroy the video game console. Yeah, probably your living room. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I think he might eat the gold. I don't know. <laughs> eat the gold. <laughs> he would at least see if it was edible. You know. Thank you, Isaac. That was awesome. And that other voice you heard was Ellen. Ellen is one of the hosts of the podcast, the wonderful podcast called Just the Zoo of Us. Yeah, it's a really, really fun podcast, and uh, go check it out. All right. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. Hey, as we mentioned in the last episode, this is going to be Donna's last episode for a couple of weeks, and you're either going to hear me by myself or you're going to hear me with Kate Shaw from the Strange Animals podcast, but Donna is off to have a little bit of surgery, but she'll be surgery. back. Surgery. But she'll be back. At some point. Yeah, we don't actually know. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time. Be nice to animals, or they will throw a math book at you. <laughs> this has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com. <laughs> it's our fans, one of our family voices, so... <laughs> You know how every family has a stupid person voice? Yeah. My family has two. <laughs> With that one. Uh, what's going on? I'm so dumb. And then we got the other one, which is, what What y'all doing? What oh. y'all doing in here? 
Oh, man. You have to do that one by sticking your teeth out over your lip, your front, top teeth over your lower lip, and then you go, Oh, what y'all, what y'all up to in here? Yeah. Oh, I'm doing it right now. That's <laughs> it. And it's going to be with kind of a Georgia accent. Yeah. Yeah. How, 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 how does mine sound? Pretty it's, good? It sounds stupid as hell. They're pretty darn stupid, right? <laughs> huh. That's kind of fun. I might do the rest of the show like this. <laughs> and it is this dumb voice, and whenever my mother's like, so this stupid tender <laughs> says, Oh, I know you. Oh, I didn't know about no. You know, whatever. <laughs> that's, a, that's the second one our family does. <laughs> oh, 